Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're talking to Nathan, who is the general counsel at SDX. And uh, we're going to find out what's new at SDX. Of course, uh, six related digital assets exchange, right? Uh, got uh, Finma license recently. And uh, we're going to find out more about their plans and ambitions, go- ambitions going forward. And uh, how did Nathan get to do this cool thing? Everybody would like to do something with digital assets these days. So I'll dive right into it. First of all, well, welcome, Nathan. How are you? I'm good. First question for me is, what's your background? How did you get to do what you do today to work in digital asset space? There were no digital assets 10 years ago or 20 years ago, right? It's not something you can study and traditionally go to university. I have a master's degree in digital assets. So how did you get to where you are today? Right. It's actually a longer road and it would probably take me quite some time and I would bore everybody. So I'll make it short. I I've always been a geek lawyer. I was always a, a lawyer that's interested in high tech. And in 2011, there was a Wired article on Bitcoin. And I was reading that. And I was like, oh, wait, there's something there that's totally new. And from that day on, I was hooked on what was back then Bitcoin and later crypto and then digital assets. And uh, from doing it on, on sort of Sunday or Saturday evenings, now I'm doing it all day long. All right. That's uh, unusual for a lawyer, right? Because generally the lawyers, and sorry to you know be stereotypical, are risk averse, right? That's their role. So to embrace something as new as digital assets, it's uh, unusual in a way, right? Absolutely. So what happened is that I was reaching out to other fellow lawyers back in, in 2011, and they were all laughing at me. And uh, things got bigger and bigger. Then I was uh, talking to some banking lawyers in Switzerland. I was back then out in Asia, in uh, China. And then the banking lawyer said, Nathan, listen, please, please, please don't care about Bitcoin. Don't do anything. It's bad for you. And nowadays, the same banking lawyer does like me. He does nothing else, just crypto. Coming back to SDX, what is SDX mission? And maybe let's explain for someone new to this space, how are you related to SIX? Right. Maybe second part of the question first, I'm the general counsel of SDX. SDX is a a subsidiary of SIX, a member of SIX group. And as the general counsel, I'm responsible for all legal, regulatory and compliance matters of SDX. For the first part of the question, So what we're trying to do at SDX is uh, we're looking at the promise of Bitcoin and then crypto and DLT. So that's DLT stands for distributed ledger technology. And the idea is really to say the efficiency gained for transactions that happen on a DLT platform with regard to settlement, clearing, that we apply these efficiencies to the traditional securities exchange industry. And that's what 
we have built and what we're still building, which is that new DLT-based uh, securities exchange. Right. So if we really zoom into it, this, you are solving the inefficiencies or the cost issues around it, settlement, clearing of the securities, right? But what about digital assets, assets as well? So there are two things, right? You can have a backend, uh, which is reusing DLT for traditional securities, and then you can trade actually the digital assets. So you, are you doing both? I love the question because uh, we have similar discussions probably four times a day. And uh, four times a day, I say, oh, we have to be careful with the words. Uh, what, what does digital asset mean? And the way I understand you, Rudy, is that digital assets for you is cryptocurrencies. And I understand that, and that's all good. However, we at SDX, we also think that tokenized securities are, of course, also a sort of digital assets. It's wider than crypto digital assets. It could be the tokens, right? It could be NFTs, all kinds of things. Absolutely. So, of course, me being the lawyer, what we do first of all is we always split apart digital assets that are securities and digital assets that are not securities. And uh, NFTs and cryptocurrencies, you will put into the digital assets that are non-securities bucket. And then the securities bucket is the other one. At this stage of, of SDX, we first and foremost focus on digital assets that are security. So what are typical examples? Very obviously bonds and equities. And that's the direction we're heading off very first. When it comes to non-securities, next on our, let's say, maybe you can say roadmap or one focus from, the, from SDX is obviously cryptocurrencies. We know that's a very interesting market. So that's surely something we're looking at right now. All right. Plus the backend, right? So in other words, uh, the traditional securities, I wouldn't call them digital assets, frankly, even though they are immaterialized for a long time, right? But uh, they could be settled with systems and the people, right? Very manual processes and things like this. And that's where you mentioned also that you're using DLT, right? What we're doing is you can't really apply DLT for traditional securities because then you'd be uh, jumping back and forth between the two worlds and that would kill all the efficiencies. So what we're doing is that all securities handled by our DLT platform are tokenized securities. So our securities are tokenized already. So so we actually, you you can't, you probably couldn't really efficiently manage a DLT platform with not tokenized securities. It needs to be all tokenized. It needs to be crypto, DLT, all the way down, if that helps. Oh, okay, understood. So what's your mandate at SDX? So you said that you are general counsel, right? So what does that mean? It's uh, obviously uh, <laughs> a, a weird title. I don't like it myself. Maybe for our, our German-speaking audience, uh, a very old title in German would be uh, Leiter der Rechtsabteilung. I think general counsel probably sounds yeah. better. Yes, indeed. So we have lawyers and compliance people within the legal department and the compliance department. And I'm heading both departments 
we both look at current issues. So that's obviously licensing issues, regulatory affairs with, uh, with our regulator, as well as looking forward, not just what are we doing today and what are the laws today and what kind of license do we need today, but also looking ahead and say, what are new laws at the horizon? What are new challenges, but also regulatory opportunities? Where should we possibly go into the future as a, as a general counsel, it's not enough to just look at where we stand right now, but we or I try to develop a way forward to look into the future and anticipate to the extent possible what we should or could focus on in the coming months and years. Brilliant, which obviously leads me to the next next point. You just got the license from FINMA, right? What does that mean? What services can you provide right now and when? And of course, you were working on the technology and the setup for, for a while. And now with the license, are you ready to go with all the all the services you wanted? Or is there still a bit of a phase out ahead of you? How does that work? Absolutely. This is uh, obviously you're not the first one to ask and you probably won't be the, the last one either. And this is also a, a, a hot uh, topic of discussion internally. No, we're not finished. We got the license. We did obtain the license. We do have the platform up and running. It works. But there is a phase in absolutely with regard to products and services that we offer. And we do have a roadmap that stretches over over a, a fair period of time where we still continue to add functionalities as a very first step, we're planning to offer a bond, and that's sort of the, uh, the kickoff, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, so it's uh, our very first product will be a bond. Okay, understood. And so what does that mean in terms of your target clients? It sounds like, of course, you would be targeting institutional clients. And when and where are they from? Are they are they have to do they have to be Swiss based or listed uh, on six as well? Or is there any relation to that as well, to that market also? Uh, absolutely. I think six and then uh, in extension also SDX. We are probably from a financial industry perspective, a, a somewhat unique animal because what we are providing is capital market infrastructure or so to speak, the piping that links other, other capital markets and, and, and financial industry players which means that our clients, you, you said clients, we call them members, and our members are uniquely financial institutions, of which, of course, the largest are really, are really banks. So our target members are banks. There is a link to six, as you just said, very much, because we do share the same type of license with six, and hence we share the same target market as six, which is, as, as I said, banks. And you said that internationally, is there a limitation or requirement for those banks to be Swiss-based? No, there isn't for six and there isn't one for us. So our, our reach is, is, is international. Do we require a prior membership with six? No, we don't because we are an independent capital market infrastructure and uh, separately licensed. Whoever knocks on our door as a potential member, we will uh, treat independently whether or not that member is already a member with six. All right, understood. So... We talked a little bit about the asset classes that can be traded already, right? You mentioned the first priority will be the bonds. So 
maybe let's try to paint a picture from the kind of the basics. What 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 is it that is better when you use SDX or a, a, an exchange like this to issue bonds rather than if you were to do it traditionally? Of course, you do it day to day and you talk about all the nuances with your colleagues. But if somebody would come in completely skeptical, how would you win them over by just painting a kind of a client journey or member journey, as you mentioned? <laughs> I think really I need to make a correction. I'm, I'm, I'm not in the sales department. I'm only the legal counsel. So I probably can't do the sales pitch as eloquently as, as, as my colleagues in the sales department could. Let me put it the way that I would phrase it, so this is not a this is not a sales pitch. Yeah, what we're doing is we have our DLD platform, which consists of several nodes, and these nodes we then propose to integrate with our members or vice versa. The members joining our platform will then obtain a node, so that's N O D E, as in nodes that are required for 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 a DLT system. And so every member, every, let's call it every bank has a node that it again then links up with its own core banking system. And once we have, let's say, several members, each with a node, all clearing and settlement will be immediate, immediate. So you said faster. I think probably I would actually say much faster. And every bank will immediately be able to see the settlement of a trade. And, and so uh, there is no API in that sense, so there's no delay. But because it is a, a DLT system, there is an immediacy to all, to all uh, transactions or, or most of them. And uh, the banks will see this, these transactions and the results of the transactions directly on or within their node that's sitting within that. All right, brilliant. Well, let me press you a little bit, though, <laughs> even though Please. if you're not from sales, is it going to be then cheaper as well for the banks? Right, like, like I think there's... In terms uh, of fees, yeah. <laughs> no, right, so there's uh, costs are, are a very important, we're talking financial market infrastructure, there's always a question of cost. What happens is that with every early attempt of trying something new, Actual costs are naturally bigger than, than, than they are if you have done something for a long time. So actual costs are, are probably higher when you uh, look at it from a total cost perspective. When it comes to the fees, we think we have a competitive fee schedule. But these are temporary or initial phenomena one way or the other. Indeed, the promise is that later, at a later stage, and, and, and that may take a considerable amount of time, when there are, has been or after there has been a, let's say, a, a trans, translation of members from the old system to a new system, and then also of assets from the old system to the new system, there is very obviously the promise of much lower total costs. Yeah. But this is something that's work in progress. Okay, understood. Makes sense. So in a stable state, that's what we're going for. But in the initial stages, there could be a bit of difference. But maybe one other basic question, really, because when people hear DLT and a blockchain, they also talk about immutability, right? So it's immutable. And that's all great, even though if you heard about quantum computing, you may have a bit of a doubt further down the line, right? But we are not there yet. But what about when you do trading? And people make a mistake. 
So in the good old days, actually, there was a case in the US, right, where the employees, I think they they send the money to, to the wrong party, and they were only able to recover maybe half of it, right? Or there was something wrong discovered in reconciliation, and you could fix the mistakes. But if you use the DLT technology, it is what it is, right? Or how would you deal with, say, banking saying, well, this wasn't settled properly, it's immediate, and we see there is a mistake or something? Is there any way to rectify this? This is a very big box that you're opening here, and I could probably talk for three hours just on, on that subject. We, Which... we do a special. <laughs> we do a Christmas special. <laughs> I might get back to you on that one. So what happens is that while this is an issue, I would say it's probably, and I'm giving you my personal opinion, the whole interview is really just my personal opinion, that this is probably a red herring for, for all purposes, not even most purposes, but for all purposes. One reason is that obviously you, while you can't undo a transaction, you can do correcting transactions for a wrong transactions. I think that's an easy, uh, an easy first answer. Second, it is true that we're running a private blockchain, not a public blockchain. So there is an element of, of, of higher control, which doesn't mean that we will undo transactions because that's back to the, my, my first statement. It's not necessary. We'll fix errors which happen in, in life and then with additional transactions. And third of all, what happens is that just like a traditional stock market exchange, we are a, a group of entities, so that's really the, the, the CSD, the trading, the CSD, which is one entity, then the uh, trading entity, and then the members, and all are linked by, let's call it fairly standard agreement. So there's tons of terms and conditions and agreements for all bits and pieces and and. and, and and these agreements, uh, in the end, will be subject to, if there is any dispute, if there were to be any dispute, are subject to, to normal jurisdictional dispute management uh, mechanisms. And then, so if there were uh, a dispute, there would be a court order. And then based on the court order, you would make, as I said, an additional transaction or two or three in order to fix past errors. So that's not actually on our roadmap as a as a problem i do know people still think that's an issue it's an issue on a public blockchain if you don't know your counterparty it's not an issue if it's trusted members within a private L uh, dlt where all members are bound by contracts with clear uh, dispute resolution uh, resolution clauses all right makes sense it's all clear so you go <laughs> forward you fix the mistakes and uh, in any case as you said this is a private blockchain right so you have a you know governance for this, so that's uh, that sounds great. Now we mentioned a little bit your you know international aspects or angle there. You've of course regulated in Switzerland, but you've also agreed to build a Singapore-based joint exchange venture with SBI Holdings that uh, we had the CEO and uh, COO last year on the podcast as well. So, what are your international international ambitions? Right. These are, are we, we have put out a, a press release on this. Absolutely. The project in Singapore is in the making. It's something that we dearly care for. However, also here, it's, it's, it's early days. It's going to be a step by step approach where we'll see what our market needs, current market needs. And then we'll keep a, a very open eye, and, and we really means both our partner SBI as, as well as SDX slash six. 
or keep an open eye for regulatory changes in Singapore as well as really what does the market in Singapore want. Let's say our international ambitions are are big, but we're doing this very step-by-step simply because securities as you are are quite jurisdictional when it comes to the regulatory environment. So there are no fast wins or or we'll quickly cover the globe, but rather this is a step-by-step approach, yeah. Understood. So let's move on to maybe one other adjacent topic and following up on what sort of digital assets or assets are traded on SDX. Uh, You mentioned tokenized securities, right? So not, not the crypto, but... What about CBDCs, you know, major topic related to crypto? What is your view? Why do we need them, right? All the currencies are essentially already already digital. So CBDCs, if they have any sort of mean, meaning or benefit, they need to actually bring additional benefits. So what's your view on CBDCs versus the current currencies? Apart from, of course, we've got cash, but, you know, m- m- most of the currency is actually electronic, right? Absolutely. This this is a huge topic. Uh, It's one that we also uh, find really exciting. You asked a couple of questions and there there are many, many aspects. Let me maybe start with one, which is that in order for a digital exchange or a DLT-based exchange to function with the efficiency desire, because every trade obviously uh, includes a, a fiat settlement, we do see the need on our platform to have a token that represents fiat, or or let's call it the Swiss franc. So there is an immediate need to have a fiat token within our system. This as as a very first part. Second, we do see a need for, or let's say a use case, for a settlement, a fiat settlement within the financial markets or within the financial industry which is why we have engaged with, with the BIS and the Swiss National Bank on initially a first experimental project, and now we're on our second phase, on a project that we call Project Helvetia, where we are working on a wholesale, or let's say we are experimenting with a wholesale CBDC because we think there's a use case, there's a need for it. Here I need to dive just a little bit deeper Wholesale versus retail CBDC, and those are not very legally clearly defined terms, is really the idea of one CBDC being for the financial industry only, but where individuals cannot obtain that fiat stablecoin. And even the word stablecoin is, by the way, a very tricky part. Some people do not like it. That's why I say, legally speaking, this is a very, very fresh and new territory. And then in a retail CBDC, there are there is the idea, and I think China is building something like this, is where individuals then will have that coin on their phone or in their phone wallets and buy or pay for groceries. At this moment, again, just to drill down on this, we're only looking at an experimental approach for a wholesale CBDC. And, uh, and we'll take it from there because it is very early and uh, so far it's very unclear if there is a room, let's say, within one country, and we can take Switzerland, of course, whether there is room for, for one CBDCs or maybe two, uh, one for retail, one for wholesale or only wholesale. We, we don't know, no. And then there's, of course, also the private fiat stable coins of, of which there are 
quite some. And uh, these have really mushroomed out in a, in a positive way, have also shown the interest of, of private industry participants to deal with these private stable coins. Is there room for them living in, in, in parallel? My personal opinion is yes, but who knows? No, it's a very, very fresh world. Interesting that you make a distinction between retail and wholesale. I know you also announced when you talked about that project related to CBDCs that you're also going to do a cross-border experiment, right? So you mentioned the E-Frank really, right? With SMB and BIS, but I think it also involves the Banque de France, right? So is that also something you're looking at in versus Euro and Swiss franc or what is that about on a high level? Right. I, I think this also a bit too early to say too much, but we're also looking into that direction. So you're right that to do it domestically is, is one effort and is, is one challenge and has one promise or addresses one promise. But yes, indeed, we're also looking at a, a cross-border experiment to, to see how this will work. All right. So brilliant. So if the people would like to find out more about what SDX does or of course, you already have your target members or target clients that are also six members generally. But if there are potentially other business partners that like to, to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get it, get a hold of you or the right people at SDX? Right. It's a digital new world. So really, let me be very simple and say, please visit our website, which we're updating very soon and, and soon on a daily basis as a, as a licensed capital market infrastructure entity. And the website will, will lead you to the right people. Again, this is work in progress. So go visit our website often. All right. SDX.com. So good. Thank you very much, Nathan. And good luck to SDX. Thank you very much, Roddy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.